Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. So, hey, the reading plan, as Christopher talked about, are you enjoying interacting with everybody? I am. It's probably my favorite part. I like reading the word with you all, but it's neat to know that we're reading it together. Right. And don't forget, if you missed a day or you didn't complete a day, just move on to the next day. If you get a chance to go back, that's fine. But it's more important that we're reading the same stuff together than you getting some level of volume inside of you. Right. This is a this isn't a, a Bible eating contest. Right. We, we want to be it's a community thing. We want to be doing it together. And that's what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, you know, here we are. <clears throat> we are in the. It's the fourth week of our New Testament gospel series. Uh, First week, of course, we talked about the gospels as a whole. Second week, we talked about the gospel of Matthew. Third, the gospel of Mark. And today, yes, Luke, come on. Somebody's paying attention. Praise the Lamb. And um, I, I, uh, you know, 2020, we said we, we prayed and we felt that 2020 was going to be the year that we saw Jesus more clearly. And uh, we saw the church being shaken this year, right? Uh, Especially the charismatic church, as we are part of. The Pentecostal church kind of went off the rails this year um, and uh, and doubled down on every bump in the road. And uh, when they said, if you don't think that we can get it wrong, watch this one, right? Uh, and, um, And we said, as a church, we are going to get back to basics. We believe in all the gifts of the Spirit. We see them all, we love them all, we just want it to be clean, right? We just like it to be a little bit more clean, and we decided the way to do that for us was to get back in the Word, because what we found is uh, the easiest way to use a scripture out of context is not to understand the context it was written in, right? And if you don't know the scenery of which it was written, who it was being written to, why it was being written and who wrote it, then you can just kind of make up what any scripture means. And unfortunately, it means you're never wrong. And uh, at some point, uh, at some point, the world gets to judge our words because we're supposed to be a witness to the world. We're supposed to be an eschatological community, meaning the church is supposed to show the world what does it look like when heaven comes to earth? What does it look like when all things are redeemed and we walk in the new creation? We're in a funny time here uh, in between uh, the sending of the spirit and the establishment of the kingdom in that some of us are living in this new kingdom and others aren't. In this what they call this eschatological body, that's who we are. We live in the new era of of faith. It's not faith when we make stuff up. It's not faith when we invent things. It's not faith when we call things that aren't as if they were, if they really aren't right. That is not actually faith. That's called fiction. Uh, and we, the church, have to be able to discern between faith and fiction, right? And uh, we are called to declare things into existence that God wants, uh, not what we want. And so we want to get back to the word because we want to discern what God really wants so we can walk in it. I mean, the easiest way to be successful with God is find out what God wants and start doing that, right? That that's that's how we become successful with God. And that that's what we want. That's how we minister to our children. That's how we live life together in community. This is why we have so many life groups in our church um, because we we just we so value living life as community. Hearing God together with other people, I um, 
I, I, I find it, <clears throat> um, as I look at the Scriptures, as I read the background of the New Testament, as I study the Gospels, and I see that these believers, nobody had to be an island unto themselves. Nobody had to uh, interpret the Bible on their own. Even the apostles had apostolic councils they went to to judge what each other was saying. And not in a spirit of judgment, but in a, man, let's, let's make sure we're all being safe. Let's make sure we're all getting it. And I'm really trusting out of this body, out of this house, we're going to see these kind of groups that people who just live life together over a long period of time begin to walk in ministry and have a, a mutual submission as they get the big stuff that they have other people that they walk with. <clears throat> and uh, we don't get a word of the month club. Jesus will be the word and we walk with that as a as a as a people. <clears throat> we talked about how Matthew, uh, how Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they had these symbols. Have you found that helpful at all? The, the symbols that they used for each of the gospel writers as you're reading through the Bible, do you see the theme? We know it's not perfect. We know Jesus didn't put that symbolism in there, but early church did. Uh, but Matthew, seeing the man with the wisdom and revelation, and Mark being the lion that pounces from place to place. Have, have you seen this kind of trend as we read the Bible together? <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you in the back. Thank you to the people in the back. That's why you're my favorite, right? Because you're, you're interacting with me here. I love you. Thank you so much. Um, we see that... Um, uh, as we look at the at the symbols, uh, we see that uh, Luke has the ox, which may seem kind of odd. An ox isn't as, as, as regal as maybe a lion or the revelation of man. But when you look at it, the ox was the most powerful engine in Bible times. It, it was the most prized animal to have because of all of its output. And uh, as you study the Old Testament, this is kind of interesting. As you, as you study the writings of the, uh, the Hebrew Bible, um, there, there's a play on words where, you know, where it says time and again, God is is the is the mighty one, the mighty one about a battle, mighty one in valor. The word mighty one is a play on words and it's one letter off when transcribed to English, but it's almost the same word for mighty ox. It's just off. It's like a play on words, it's a homonym. Uh, so this mighty God likens himself to a mighty ox, if that even makes sense. And so so we see in the four Gospels. Excuse me, the pictures again. Uh, we, we use the Christmas uh, ornament set here. Did you like that one? Is anyone getting that for your tree? Uh, well, how how, how uh, Matthew's got the person there and Mark's got the lion and uh, uh, Luke here with the ox. And we'll talk next week about John and the eagle. Uh, we see that, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, we see this ox kind of play out in the writing of Luke's gospel. <clears throat> We know that God didn't assign these, but they're kind of helpful. See, the ox, it's, it's the most mighty engine, like I said, in, in the times of Bible writing. And the ox is also the beast of burden. He's the beast of burden, and he, he carries the heavy weight. And, and we saw that those who were designed to carry extremely heavy weight would have more ox. You remember Elisha had, had the, the 12 yoke of oxen when Elijah came to call on him. This is somebody who's going to carry a great anointing and carry heavy burdens. And, and we see this in Luke's gospel. Luke, of course, was unlike Matthew, who had a group of uh, Jewish leader, Jewish Christians that he was leading. And unlike Mark, who was in Rome, ministering to the believers there who had been exiles. We see the Luke wrote for a very specific reason, and he explains it right here at the beginning of his gospel. Luke chapter one, 
starting in verse 1, Luke writes, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, wow, just as well, they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. It seemed fitting to me as well, having invested everything carefully from the be- investigating everything carefully from the beginning to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. We, two things we get here. Number one, Theophilus was a patron of sort that he paid Luke to go and write this gospel after he had investigated everything. We know that Theophilus is a Christian name someone took most likely as his lover of God. Um, We know that Luke was probably wealthy, but not as wealthy as Theophilus because he could pay Luke to go and write this, right? We know that Luke was an educated man. What I find the most interesting about this is that he wanted to know truth. If we look here in verse 4, he says, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. And this is what the church of Jesus Christ, especially us Pentecostals, especially us spirit-filled folk, we desperately need in this hour. We need to know the exact truth about the things that we have been taught. If we're going to redeem the prophetic gift in this hour, if we are going to redeem the gifts of the Holy Spirit that have been poured out in the last hundred years upon the church, we really need to know the exact truth about these things. We, we don't need to know what people think they mean. We don't, we don't need to know what people said they mean. We need to know what God is speaking to the church in this hour. And what is the exact truth about what we have been taught? We, we, we're not scared of the truth. We're not, we're not scared of finding out that we're wrong. We, we, our, our main goal is not to be right. Our main goal is to know the truth. All right, that, That's our goal. And we're not scared of being wrong. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to learn something wrong when your heart is after God. We want to know the truth. It's the truth that makes us free, not, not, not our confidence. And since we believe in the gifts, we believe in all the gifts. Revival life, we believe in gifts that aren't even in the Bible, right? We, we believe in all the stuff. I've seen all the things, right? I have seen, I believe I've seen all the things. I've seen things that even at my most charismatic, I couldn't defend, but I'm like, oh, that's God. I, I'm pretty sure that's God. But I want to know what God is doing because that empowers us to change lives. That empowers us to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. We don't need just a nice kumbaya fest that we're all on the same page. We, we need to be on the same page with God. We, we, and we're not scared to examine the fruit of what we've taught and what we've been taught. We love that. We, we love that. We love having friends who tell us, man, that word, that first half was on. Second half made no sense. And, uh, there's no chance I'm having more kids. So that part was just wrong, right? Like, we, we want to know this. We, we want to know. Um, and so, yes, I'm receiving no prophecies for kids. Thank you very much. Mine are grown. My son turned 20, and I'm good. My daughter is almost in college. We're good. We did get a dog. I'm not sure why, but, um, but I'm good. And the dog lovers out there are clapping. That's great. <clears throat> Here's what um, here's what's amazing about Luke. <clears throat> Luke, Luke, Luke was brilliant, right? Luke was a writer, <clears throat> and he knew how to write. Um, and uh, those of us who are writers, you know what a good writer looks like. Uh, some people say, uh, you know, I, I I'm I'm not a writer. You are you're just not a good one, right? We all can write, um, but there's a special ability and a and a gifting for people who can write well. 
And we saw how God moved in Matthew and Mark in special ways, and they wrote in ways that were supernatural. But Luke was able to use the supernatural together with his talent. See, in the, in the, in, in the beginning, we don't know who Luke is exactly, uh, but we know that um, he wrote in a Greco-Roman style generally. But what's really exciting is um, how, Jesus, how, Mark shows, excuse me, how Luke shows that Jesus is the bearer of our burdens. He is the ox that bears our burden. Where, where Mark's lion rushes around and dashes, Luke's ox, he's slow, and he's plotting, and he's doing things methodically. Here you see when you see the picture here, we always see Luke with the ox with wings, and again uh, from the symbol symbology of uh, Ezekiel or the Book of Revelation. I think I have one more. Do we have one more? Yeah. And there's a mosaic on the ceiling. We were going to do something like this in here, but it would look funny on a drop ceiling. Uh, and so we see he's writing something. I think it says evangelist, but I'm I don't know. And it looks like he's writing on a tablet with a pen, which I don't think it works that way. But but it's a neat looking picture. Um, to, to, to understand, Luke wants to tell the story, right? He wants to tell the story. Kiss the baby for me. Oh, I just love the babies. We need some child dedication soon. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm just, I hear the babies. That's life. You know how long I stayed at home not hearing any babies? And again, I don't want to have a kid. You're having kids for me. I'm having them vicariously through you. And I hold them and they start crying. And then I give them back and I go home. It's just, it's the best of both worlds. You get the best of both worlds. That's me being a pastor. It's the best. Just kiss the babies and you give them back and then you go home. It's awesome. Uh, but but um, I'm sorry, uh, I digress. The babies, I love them. Uh, so Luke, Luke wants us to understand Jesus. And so um, Mark went back to the baptism at the start. You remember in Mark, he just shows up on the scene as an adult, right? And, he's, and, and Jesus does and he gets baptized and and Matthew um, goes back to the virgin birth. Well, uh, in, in the lineage, uh, for Luke to understand Jesus is to go back even before that. It goes beyond where Matthew starts. And he goes back to the parents of John the Baptist. He's like going the beginning, the beginning. And you remember John the Baptist's parents had no children at the time. Uh, and they had a divine encounter with the angel of the Lord in the temple. Uh, and... And, and then they have a baby and then, you know, Mary's overshadow. And it it takes two chapters in Luke before we even get Jesus. Right. He's got this slow, methodical, plotting, powerful way. And as you read Luke this week, see how he's not jumping around. You don't have to keep up. There's not all these suddenlies. He's telling the story of this burden bearer marching his way toward Jerusalem. And here's what I find really amazing. <clears throat> At the beginning of Luke, he writes in a Jewish style of writing. And so um, you, you, you see, like, we see these things that he says, like, uh, uh, and, and, and it came to pass, and, and uh, these, these foreshadows that he does. Um, and as he goes later in it, he uses more Roman style of writing. So as Jesus is out in the country, not yet in the urban areas. He's writing in a Jewish literary style. As he comes into the city, all of a sudden, we get more of this, this, this Roman style. And in the beginning, he says things like the house of or before the face of and behold and it came to pass. This is, this is Luke stating in the beginning how Jesus came from a Jewish history, right? But as he marches the story, he transforms into a Roman 
Greco-Roman style of writing showing that this Messiah who was from the Jews actually becomes a Messiah for all. Right? And he foreshadows this, this, this Messiah from the beginning all along because the Messiah, he was the Messiah to all from the very beginning. It's important to understand that. Jesus didn't show up on the scene and God got another idea. Right? It wasn't like, oh, I bet I, there's enough to share. Right? It's from the beginning, Jesus Christ has been the Messiah for all. It's always been from eternity past to eternity future. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God for the salvation of all people. Say amen. It's always been it. Let's take a look at this. In um, Luke chapter 3, they all tell the story of John the Baptist. But watch what happens in Luke chapter 3. We're starting verse 5. We've got John the Baptist showing up on the scene. You're with me, yeah? Got it right here. Uh, And here's John the Baptist talking about Jesus. He says, every ravine will be filled and every mountain and hill will be brought low. The crooked will become straight and the rough roads smooth and all flesh will see the salvation of God. Now, as we listen to Luke, we get this picture that Luke is painting that Jesus is the great equalizer. And you remember, each gospel is a different painting of Jesus that we got we takes the whole four Gospels to really understand the story of who he is. We can't just pick and choose one. We can't just get one testimony or one miracle or one person's teaching. It takes all four angles to understand who Jesus really is, right? And from Luke's angle, Jesus is the equalizer. And this is so important how he paints John the Baptist. From the very beginning, John the Baptist paints Jesus as this. Now, check this out. In Luke chapter 3, verse 6, specifically, And all flesh, say all flesh, all flesh will see the salvation of God. This is before Jesus was even baptized. All flesh will see the, yes, come on, that's good. Again, it wasn't a later plan. And he's quoting Isaiah chapter 40 in this prophecy. So it's always been the plan of God that through the seed of Abraham, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. We see it from the beginning. And this is part of Luke's painting of Jesus as the equalizer. He's like, it's not for the special people. It's not for the rich people. It's not just for one group of people. He says, every ravine is going to be filled in and every mountain brought low. And we, American Christians, can look at this scripture and we think he's talking about our problems. He's talking about us. Right? He's literally talking about us. Those who are very low in life and are broken and hurt, guess what? He's going to lift you up. Those who are prideful and you put your head in the sky, There might be a reckoning coming. But all flesh is going to see the glory of God. Amen. And so as as we read Luke, it's important to understand, as we read Luke, it's important to understand, this is the angle that he's talking about Jesus from. It's it's, it's this angle of Jesus equalizing lives. We see that um, when Jesus, after he was baptized in He went into the temple. You all know this section. We've talked about it many, many times. This is how Jesus describes himself. Watch this in Luke. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. You know this, but in light of what we just learned about John the Baptist's prophecy over him, watch what Jesus says about himself. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why is the Spirit of the Lord upon him, right? Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim 
the favorable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and said, yeah, that's it. I'm done. Right. Like this is this is who I am. And as as spirit filled Christians, sometimes um, we can think that those were means to something else. Like he's doing those things so people can get saved. Right. But Jesus literally said right here, no, I'm actually come to do those things. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Stay with me now. Isn't it all about salvation? Essentially, yes. But what ministers salvation to people? Different ways. As we have studied, Jesus told people what he wanted them to do to be saved differently. He spoke to one that you need to be born again. He spoke to another. You need to give everything away. Salvation is personal, and this is why it is sometimes wrong when we try to rush the salvation process in people with a prayer when God is wanting them to do actually something else, right? You know, we can't just say a prayer and then go back home and beat our wife, right? We can't say a prayer and then go back home and oppress people and say, no, it's okay, I'm saved. Jesus has a personal relationship with us. He has a personal plan in the story. Are you with me? And so in here, he's saying, listen, the spirit is on me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set free those who are oppressed. I, I kind of feel a little prophetic utterance right now uh, on this. And I just feel like some people uh, in the sound of my voice, those watching, all of you slap the like button for us. Right. Just say what's up on the on the on the on the YouTube. But we, we sometimes we, we feel this um, stratification of gifts, like some people are getting people saved and I'm only serving people. And so the spiritual people are the people getting them saved. Now, listen, I wish we all got more people saved. So the goal is not to bring down the evangelist, right? The goal is not to bring down the signs and wonders. The goal is to understand that the grace of God works through all our gifts, right? And so when you, when you give a, a cup of water to a thirsty person, you are ministering the spirit of the Lord. You're literally ministering to people, right? When you are kind to someone who doesn't deserve kindness, you are ministering the spirit of the Lord. Don't, 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 don't degrade your gift because God has not gifted you a certain way. Like we need the evangelists. We need those laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. We, we all should try to speak the word of encouragement as the spirit gives us utterance. But also, if you're if you're a, a person who loves on folks, man, do that by the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus came for the hurting. And so the go team goes out several times a week and has been feeding people for almost the whole year now since coronavirus came in. Uh, they were feeding them a lot to begin with. And uh, that's that's the ministry of Jesus. Whether or not someone confesses, that's the ministry of Jesus. And, and, and Jesus came and said, this is, this is stuff I'm going to be doing. Now, <clears throat> let me write this. Let me read this to you as I wrote it in my notes. Luke's gospel is the journey of salvation. The ox bears the burdens of the poor, the captives and the blind, the oppressed and widows as it travels beyond local and national concerns to the Gentiles to declare the year of the Lord's favor. And, and this, is, this, is, this is God. This is who Jesus came to be. We know, that, um, we know that Luke was a doctor, so he was probably a man of some wealth. Though rock doctors weren't necessarily rich then, you needed to have enough family wealth to take instruction to have that kind of trade. Um, and so... In Luke's gospel, he has a specific perspective on wealth. And what's interesting is um, he's a paid author, but he writes time and again and he warns the rich. So in Luke's view of Jesus, there are warnings 
to wealth. We, we tend to only hear the message of how God wants us all to be so rich that we can own other people. Uh, but, 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 but Luke warns a little bit more than that. You remember uh, the, in Luke 12, there's the parable of the rich fool, right? And, um, and, and Jesus taught the, the Pharisees about being lovers of money and the punishment that comes upon selfishness. You remember? Uh, um, in, in Matthew and Mark, they tell the story of um, the man who wanted, the rich young guy who wanted to uh, come to Jesus. And Jesus in Matthew and Mark says, sell your great possessions. Uh, but in Luke, he calls the man very rich and he tells him to sell all his possessions. In Matthew and Mark, just sell your great stuff. Now, my great stuff is a far less than all my stuff, right? What I think is great is a lot less than all my stuff. But in Luke, Jesus says, sell everything if you want to follow me. So he's warning these rich people, where, where is your heart? Where, 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 where is your confidence? Where is your strength? And this is the theme I want you to really see in Luke. Zacchaeus is only told in Luke. And um, he's called rich in there. And unlike um, the guy before, Zacchaeus actually obeys Jesus. You remember, he says, what do, what do I do? And Jesus says, get rid of your stuff. And, uh, and he says, well, okay, I'll give away half my stuff, my, my wealth to the poor, and I'll pay back everybody I owe money to even more than I owe them. And watch this. This is so, so neat. Luke chapter 19, verse 9, Jesus said to him, after he said, I'll get rid of my wealth, he says, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. He became a son of Abraham by repenting of his faith in his riches. That is what salvation looked like for him. Now, I, I love the, you know, the born again language in the leading people in a prayer. But this man got saved by giving away his stuff. That, that's a good word, right? That's it's so Jesus is challenging us and he's challenging people. Look, I, I came to lift up the low places. I'm, I'm trying to stay focused because you guys got me. You're pulling me here. So he says, today salvation has come to his house because he too is the son of Abraham. Then in verse 10, do I have verse 10? He says, for the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. Here's what's super important about that. We, um, over and over again, you'll find Luke talking about Jesus in parables of the lost. There's lost coins. There's lost stuff. He came to seek and save the lost. And he's saying people who don't have their faith in God, they're lost. And Jesus came to seek and save those lost people. He came to bring them back into society. Now, what, 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 what we see a massive theme for Luke in this gospel is we need to lay down our power to receive the power of the Holy Ghost. We can't walk in the power of the Holy Ghost if we're still leaning on our power. Amen? We, we can't walk in a surrendered Holy Ghost power if we still are holding on to what we can accomplish on our own. And so many of us, we, we can become so talented and so skilled and know even how to operate in our gifts. We start having pride or confidence in our ability to even walk in gifts or we walk in our ability to make money or our ability to counsel or our ability to get out of certain situations. And we're no longer walking in the power of God, but we're walking in our own power. And, and, and we, we want to walk in the power of God. We want to walk in this supernatural overshadowing presence, but we haven't gotten out of our own power yet. It's a huge theme in, in, in Luke. We have to lay down our power 
to walk in His power. And Jesus came for the least of these. He came for those in the low spot. And so we wonder, why, why do people get saved in prison? Why, why, do, why, in, why do people have to get into rehab to get saved? Why, why do they have to get to the end of the rope before they finally turn to Jesus? Because these people are finally in a low place where they can say, I need something. And Jesus is saying, listen, if, if, if you're not in a low place, you better find a low place so you can find me. If you want to find me, you'll go in the low places, you go to the low people, you go to the low ground, and that's where I will be. He said, amen. And if we don't put ourselves there, unfortunately, he said, I'm going to fill the ravines, but I'm also going to chop the top off the mountains. And at some point, sometimes we have to lay ourselves down to really find God. I have found when I'm most anxious, when I'm most unsettled, when I'm having a hard time falling asleep at night for days in a row, when I'm finding a hard time to find peace, it's because I'm really worried that I'm not going to be able to accomplish something in my strength. My strength is failing me. And that's, that's where faith matters. Faith doesn't matter when we're on the mountaintop. It doesn't matter when you know, the wind blows in and we, there's no doubt that God is about to do something. Faith matters when we have no idea how this thing's going to work out and we say, but God. But God will come through for me on behalf of His Word. Jesus didn't even rest in His own strength. I, I have this hard time wrestling with the Trinity because I'm a Christian, right? And it doesn't really make sense. Uh, but we know it to be true. And so why would God the Son need God the Spirit? Since there's only one God. Like, why? why? I don't know exactly. But I know if God the Son needed God the Spirit, how much more do I need God the Spirit? How much more do I need to do the things that Jesus did to stay connected to God the Father? The, the burden bearer, he, he didn't rest in his own strength. He, he took his burdens to God in prayer. Time and again, we see him going on top of the mountain at night to pray. When everybody else was sleeping, he's like, well, this is going get, to get me the real rest that I need. Going before Father with my burdens. And he demonstrated that this has to be done in humility and forgiveness, not in self-righteousness and pride. We, we can't walk in pride and self-righteousness and the power of the Spirit at the same time. We start walking in some delusional Christian fantasy that makes us think that we're being righteous, but really we're just being self-righteous. And we need humility in this day and hour for the church to regain its testimony and its witness in South Florida. Amen? We, we, you know, we, 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 uh, I, I need people back in this room. I want people back in this room, but I don't want people back in this room at the expense of their health. I don't, I, don't, I don't need you risking your health to bring it home to your immunosuppressed loved one just so my ego can be stroked by you being in the room with me. Now, I want to, I want to worship with a full room. I want to worship with thousands of people. I don't want to worship with thousands of people not being careful of coronavirus. I have no desire at all, not, none at all. Well, pastor, you lack faith? Possibly, but Jesus never told me to have faith against reason when it comes to sickness. He never told me to drink cancerous poisons. He never told me to put my life around coronavirus. He never told me to go ahead and just, you know, let, let, let someone with tuberculosis cough in my face. Like that, that doesn't make any sense to me and it's not even in scriptures. Are you with me? And so if you need to stay home, we love you. Our life groups, we have life groups online and in person. Why? Because we're actually here to serve people. The church is not here to be served. We're, we're here to lay our lives down for another, not for others to lay down their life for us. And unfortunately, we have too many leaders in the church today who still think it's about them. And it's not. It's about Jesus. 
He's the burden bearer. See, Holy Spirit is the power of God on earth. Holy Spirit is the power of God on earth. And Luke refers to the Holy Spirit 18 times in his gospel. He refers to the Holy Spirit 57 times in the book of Acts. And this Spirit, this Holy Spirit comes upon people and He energizes us to do what we can never do. I mean, Luke talks about Him time and again, this power, this, 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 this Pentecostal uh, hermeneutic that He teaches through as we read his, his Gospel. The Spirit came upon Mary in Luke. He came upon Elizabeth and Zechariah and John and Simeon. And, and in the start of the Gospel of Luke, He came upon Jesus in Luke chapter 3, verse 22. Let, let, let's read that right now. Watch this. This is super important. Now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while He was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon Him bodily like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven, you are my beloved son and you am well pleased. I'm going to finish with this. <clears throat> I, have, um, I have sensed there are many people in this season who find themselves in a wilderness. If you feel like you're in a wilderness in this season, like, you, like you're not alone. If things feel frayed, like you are not alone. If your mental health has been challenged, you're not alone. If your financial health has been challenged, you're not alone. If 2020 has not turned out at all, like you were hoping it would be. You're not alone. This may be the most crowded wilderness that anybody's ever been in. <clears throat> right? You are not alone. Um, I feel alone because I, I enjoy being around people. I like big crowds of people. I like lots of people. My uh, 50th birthday is this year, as many of you know. Um, uh, Rolex Green Monster. You know, if you're just, if you're, <clears throat> you know, you got 20 grand to throw somewhere. Um, but um, I, I have been thinking about my 50th birthday party since my mother's 50th birthday party, right? I have been excited about it, and I'm not having one this year. Like, it's not going to happen. Uh, it would please be sad, because that, 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 that helps. Mourn with those who mourn, right? <laughs> Come on, carry the burden with me. I, I like having big parties, and I was excited about people jumping off my roof into the pool. Like, I'm excited about things at my birthday. And uh, a big barbecue, a big get-together. And I'm just like, I can't in good conscience do that, right? Like, I, I can't. And if you, you know, if you have faith for that, I, I'm a little jealous. I don't. Um, I, I want to keep people safe. And I feel, um, I've been preaching all year that we need to, to, to walk justly with people, do justice. And I don't feel like it would be doing justice to stuff 75 people in my house, you know? Um, but this is what it looks like to actually be a Christian when things don't feel as great, right? We're not being martyred. No one's killing us. We're not being lit on fire, right? There's real martyrs on the planet. Um, just surrendering a few of my liberties to keep people safe, that's, that's not, that's, that's called being a Christian, right? That, that, that's, that's what we do. Um, and it feels like a wilderness. But Jesus came out of the wilderness after his baptism he came out of the wilderness in the power of God. And I just feel, I just have this sense about me uh, that many of us, like the Spirit led us into a wilderness, but we're going to come out in power. We're not coming out the same way we went in this year. I tell you, for me and the things I care about, I am more resolute in them now than I was in January. I care more about the well-being of my, my fellow man now than I ever have. I'm more vocal about issues of injustice than I ever have in my life. I care less about 
what they think of us than I ever have. I, I, I am coming out of the wilderness in power. And I believe those of us who have kept our eyes fixed on Jesus in this season and have sought to walk by the leading of the Spirit are coming out of this wilderness year in power. We are going to come out different with a new identity, with a new ability to operate, with a new calling. You might have felt like, man, where am I? I just have no idea what my calling is. I have no idea what the vision for my life is. And we are coming out of this thing a little bit more resolved in who we are and what we're going to do. And I just hope some of us today that we will see, man, maybe I have made some things in my life. As, you, as we begin to look back over 2020 and see where the turmoil was, and many of us will find that the turmoil was in areas and I'll use this word liberally, of idolatry. There were things that had a little bit too much importance in our life. And as we were isolated, we started finding out, man, community is even more important than I thought it was. Being around other believers was even more important. Sharing my testimony when I'm able to was even more important than I thought it was. Being smart about my money is even more important than I thought it was. You know, not looking at Jesus as the holy jackpot is, is more important than I thought it was, right? There's being faithful faithful to who I am and what I already know God has called me to is more important. And we're coming out with that knowledge. We're coming out of this, this wilderness season, not alone. We're not, we're not going to stumble out and find a mirage. No, no, no. We're coming out in the power of the Spirit. And we're going to share this revelation that we have with the world as we come out of it. We're going to do the stuff that God has called us to do. And we're going to say the things he told us to say, because he is worthy of our lives. Can you say amen? Amen, amen, amen. And I, I believe that so strongly. I believe that so strongly, and I want to do it together. I want, to, I want to walk in this life together. But some of you are stuck. Some of you have been super stuck in this season, and I, I don't speak that with any judgment at all. I don't speak that with any condemnation at all. You have been stuck. Maybe you've been stuck financially. Maybe you've been stuck socially. Maybe spiritually you're like, man, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I don't even know the way out. And I want to pray with you this morning. I want to pray with you this morning about this. And uh, yeah, amen, amen, amen. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Um, if you're a life group leader, would you please stand up? And you're going to help me to pray. And it uh, doesn't mean you can't get prayer. We're not going to touch anybody, so don't worry. Uh, we're going to leave our masks on. And uh, we are just going to kind of, uh, when we begin to pray, they're going to kind of face the people and face around. You can spin. Just We're going to lift our hands. We're going to declare good things. But here's what I want to do. I want to pray. Um, Jesus came for the low people. You get to decide how you get there. You get to decide how you get low. He says, throw ourselves upon the rock or the rock will come upon us. And I really don't want that. Right? So I want to walk humbly before God. But maybe, maybe, maybe you were expecting something to happen this year. And, and like, you're like, finally, this is going to, finally. Fi and now, like, man. And I, I want to, I want to pray you out of this wilderness. I want to, I want to pray, I want to pray, um, I want to pray in this season that things start to become very, very clear. And I just believe the Holy Spirit wow, is going to uh, do something in this room today. He's going to ignite something new. He's going he's to impart something fresh. So if you feel like, man, I, I, I need that. Uh, I, maybe, maybe you've been in a spiritual wilderness. Uh, maybe you've been away from God. Maybe uh, you just have been lacking direction. Maybe you're in a season of transition. And you're like, I just need the Spirit to help me through this thing. I need him to bear this burden because I just can't do it. I can't do it anymore. I just want you to stand with me. We're all going to pray. Whoever wants prayer, we're not going to touch anybody. 
but if you're like, man, no, I'm, I'm ready to get prayed out of the wilderness today. I'm ready for God. To, wow, I, am, uh, I understand that I'm at a low place. And I make myself low that He can carry the burden. Yeah, I um, there are uh, burden bearers in this room. And you somehow think that God has anointed you to carry other people's burdens. And you're only called to carry them to the cross. That is not, that is not a gift of the Spirit. Um, it's, it's ways on you. And, um, and you know if you're, you know, if, you're, if you have anxiety for other people and their problems, I'm talking to you. If you're not sure, or you're not sure that you did enough to help them and that caused you anxiety, I'm talking to you. Um, and I believe the Spirit wants to teach you how to let Him bear those burdens. How He would do the heavy, heavy work. Sheikaba. I'm sorry I'm going a little bit long, but I just feel the Spirit moving right now. Sheba kataraba. Thank you, Jesus. And we just, we just trust you, God, that you're coming in right now. And you are lifting burdens. Pray with me, life group leaders. If you want prayer for any of this, just go ahead and stand. We just, that's just how we know. Uh, that you would come, Holy Spirit of God, that you would touch. Wow. Mm. We just lift hands over you all and we just declare breakthrough in this season. Breakthrough in this season. Breakthrough in this season. In the name of Jesus. It, oh, here we go. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We just, just, let's just get, if you would, I know this is awkward. It can be awkward, but just give me 30 seconds here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you're such a good God. You're such a good God. You're a deliverer. You're an encourager. You're an empowerer. You, you, you're, you, you're, you, just, you love us so much. We thank you, Jesus, for deliverance in this hour. Deliverance from every yoke. Deliverance from every burden. Deliverance for depression. I just see depression leaving people's lives right now in the name of Jesus. The lie comes off your mind that it's not going to get better. You don't have to know how it's going to get better. Only God needs to know. We declare anxiety broken in the name of Jesus. And we declare joy. Joy. Joy down deep in your soul. Joy bubbling up. From a well of living water. Ha! Ha! We declare a divine visitation in this season for God's glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. If you guys can just keep uh, continuing standing and just, just say in this moment, we just thank uh, Pastor for just that amazing word. And just flowing with the Holy Ghost right there. We just, the Holy Spirit is just moving there. So uh, thank you guys for um, coming. If you want to just stay as a moment or two in, the, in this presence, feel free. God is doing something. And uh, I just, we just say amen to that word. Amen. Can you guys say amen to that word and what the Lord is doing? That we're coming out of the wilderness in power. That the Lord is going to convert that in power. That he's going to give you ministry when the devil tried to crush you. That you have a ministry in that place. That you release 
His, his grace and His mercy. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing. We just thank you for the, the reading of the word, the, the preached gospel. We thank you. We bless every single person as they continue the week. Um, please join with us in the Bible reading. Let's, let's meet God in the scriptures. We don't, we don't worship uh, ink and paper. We worship the God of the scriptures. So, so come and uh, just join in. If you guys don't know, you guys uh, you can, you can ask um, one of the ushers or, uh, uh, yeah, or you can scan this. So much easier, actually. A Bible reading plan right there. We all got phones. And uh, join in with us so we can meet God in the scriptures. Have a blessed week. And, um, yes, thank you guys for coming. And thank you guys online. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah.